This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everybody. Episode 27 of the R&R Show is brought to you by the Bad Karmas the curse of the zodiac and hey ruel how are you doing hey richard how's it going i'm doing well my friend i'm doing very well but i am very nervous because we are about to embark on an epic journey and a kind of an epic journey and an experiment because we are going to be doing the r&r top 100 games of all time and uh, for folks who don't know what that means is basically i've come up with my 50 favorite games Ruel, or actually I came up with, I've got my 300. Ruel came up with, I think you came up with like 70 or so, right? I actually, it turned out to be like 120, but I turned it down to 70. And then we have mashed those two lists together uh, to take my favorites and Ruel's favorites. In places where we both like the same game, whichever one of us liked it more will be the one to talk about it when we get to that part on the list. And at the end of the day, this is kind of a reflection of, um, we were talking about this the other day, uh, kind of our celebrity mishmash names top 10. So yeah. uh, you'll have to let us know in the comments. Do you prefer um, uh, Rael or Rudo um, for the Rael and Rado <laughs> top 100 greatest games of all time? But if we, um, you know, we're life partners, which I don't know, the more we do this show, the more it's feeling that way. I've already said once you complete me uh, live on yeah. camera. <laughs> Um, yeah, but if you were to come over to our house, uh, we would probably be recommending, uh, you know, games from this top 100 because it's really a reflection of both of us. And I'm really excited to do it because neither of us know what the other has in store. Yeah. And that's, what's uh, most exciting for me too, is like, like I have a feeling I know what some of your games are, but I know there's going to be some that are going to like completely surprise me. And I have a few surprises as well, I I think. So, um, just to follow up on the Jerry Maguire thing, you had me at Rudo. Rudo? (laughs) All right. Rudo is a winner. Um, so this is Rudo's top 100 and this is just going to be the first chapter entries 100 to 91. And we're going to be doing this every week. Uh, although we will be taking weeks off to do Kickstarter and, um, you know, new hot games, but basically it's going to be over like the next half a year. We are going to be, uh, slowly but surely coming back every week or most every week to count down and get closer and closer to the greatest game to Rudo's greatest game of all time. (laughs) Um, but before we get to that, we have some business to do because like I said, this week we are sponsored by bad karmas and well did you notice anything you know you've got a table full of cool minis a you know a board and it looks like two phones on there what's happening yes i do this is our sponsor of this show uh the bad karmas curse of the zodiac and i have to admit i am personally so excited about what this game represents because it is the ultimate fusion of analog board gaming that we all love and what digital can do to enhance it, to um, you know, take it to the next level. Because uh, this is the Taburu board. I've got this actually really cool you know, battle skateboard with all these really cool miniatures all over the place, big ones and small ones. But underneath it 
is Taburu. This is a powered board that can automate. You can put any kind of board on top of this. Uh, you know, a, a you know a cooperative boss battle like this, or you know, an Agricola esque worker placement game. Anything can work, and the board automatically recognizes when you move pieces around. It recognizes when you roll dice. It knows what dice you actually rolled, and it can feed that information wirelessly to phones. And um, so, in Bad Karma's, the way it works is you have one phone that is kind of like the dungeon master. It, may, it keeps track of what the monster is going to do. It also, at the beginning of every round, prompts players to determine, okay, what's our order going to be? And we have to figure out who is going to play first. So, the sharpshooter. Sharpshooter, are you going to be the first, second, third, or fourth player in this round? And she says, you know what? I think I want to hang back. I don't want to rush right out. And you also have to pick your stance. And, well, have you ever been in a case where you think you've taught everybody how the game works? And then they say, right, so what was that stance again? You're like, well, just push the I button. And it'll just tell you. It'll just remind you. I mean, it's a simple little thing. But a fact that a game using the Taburu system, like Bad Karmas, can actually teach you, and more importantly, remind you of things that you would forget as you go. And even catch when you do things wrong. Because it says, hey, you rolled a three. Why did you move over there? Because it knows. It has real awareness of the board. That's absolutely fantastic. So, um, I know that. And I could say, hey, you know what? Let's go on ahead. And I don't think I need to heal or move extra. Let's reduce the cooldown so I'll be able to do my action quicker. So I've selected my stance. She's ready. And now, if you were to imagine we were playing a four-player game of this, everybody would have their phone out, and whoever's playing the assassin would now choose. But if you only have one phone amongst you, you can just hand it around. The assassin says, well, you know, I'm going to go next to last. And I think I also just want to keep that ready uh, so I, I can get back to that move quicker. And okay, so now we've got the big, heavy, burly guy. He says, oh, I'll go first. I'll, I'll definitely go first, thanks. Um, there we go. Go first. And let's see. What does he want to do? I th if he takes a beating, uh, he might need to heal. Or no, dodging. How about he stays in the front line. He's going to go to water stance, which will let some dodge attacks. And then we've got the healer, who also has a gigantic shield. So they'll go second. And uh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll do that as well. So just kind of a nice little intro warm-up. And now... The Dungeon Master will actually tell me what's happening, giving me updates, uh, you know, like the fact that our big boss is going through a metamorphosis right in front of us. And um, after everybody has read it, everybody says on their own phones, yep, okay, I've read it, I know what the story is. And we actually start playing. So, it is the Demolisher's turn. And really, when we get to the game, this is a card-driven battle game where every player has a big old hand of cards that represent different things they can do. These cards, of course, if you don't remember, you can just click them, and it'll tell you what they can do. Uh, it'll remind you what their cooldown time is, because unlike other games where you have to keep track of cooldown and put tokens and stuff like this, this will just say, hey, once I use an explosive throw, which is what I'm going to do, it will keep track of all this. It'll let me know when it comes back. So, and it'll tell me what it does. So, I say I'm going to use that. And uh, then meanwhile, the, the, uh, the thing says, okay, well, here's what you need to do, Demolisher player, shake the dice. And so I take it, it recognizes I'm shaking the dice, and then I throw the die, and it recognizes that I rolled a five. Very nice. Wow. And it will automatically resolve everything. Um, you know, doing sound effects. You can't hear the sound effects right now, but there's, you know, attacks and explosions and stuff. And boom, he is done. And the boss is actually doing something in response. Everybody else is being told, hey, um, what's happening? What, what, how's the world changing? And then after it does, because the AI takes care of that, we move on to the next player who is in the front line. They've got their own list of things that they're going to try and do. And, um, you know, some 
some of them can't be done right now because as part of the storyline in the first round, you can't directly attack them. So melee is offline. So they could heal. They could do a warning shot. They could taunt. All kinds of things. And again, if you don't remember what it is, the game will give you all the help you need. And that's not all because uh, you know this game has an objective system where every different character has different little feats they're trying to pull off. And so you can look at those and it'll keep track of how close you are to unlocking all kinds of different things, which gives you new cards into your hand. Now, granted... Everything I'm doing here could be done in traditional ways, with cards and tokens and all that, but it would make this game have such an incredibly huge amount of over, um, you know, of, of stuff you have to keep track of. People would say, oh, that's a real fiddly. All the different things you're constantly having to move and, and you know, draw decks and, and make decisions for the boss. Or you can just sit down and play the game. Make your choices and go. Get cool audio-visual feedback of what happens. I mean, the boss is really cool, too. They are, let me go on and unplug it so you can see it. If I plug it back in, they're on this lit platform that will tell you the status if you want to attack from the front or the back. Um, the boss will actually make smart choices because they know where all the players are at once. And so... If you're the type of player who loves to have a big, dice-rolling, cooperative boss battle, and we've had a few good ones of these over the past few years, this is definitely something you want to check out. Uh, just because it does something new and completely different, where you really feel like you're playing against something that's thinking, rather than playing against a deck of cards. That has just been shuffled up and said, oh, well, I guess I'll in my headspace, I'll come up with a story for why they did all this thing. No, in this game, it dynamically decides what to do based on the stance, the choices that players make. Also, um, it doesn't have to take up a huge amount of space. This is a big game with tons of cards. It would take up twice as much space, but nope, everybody just has their own phone, or they hand the phone around. So, I'm excited for this game, uh, about this. This is a neat game, but I can imagine a future, like a, an update pack. You could get more missions that you could download, or expansions that suddenly say, hey, you know what? I like the game, but I want to play it solo. What if I only controlled this, and the AI took control of all the other characters? And I could feel like, oh, okay, I can give them basic orders, but they're going to think on their own? That's one of my favorite things about Gloomhaven, is the way that the AIs kind of have a very simple system. This could have a really complex system. It would make it feel like, even if I'm playing solo, like I'm playing an online shooter, and I'm with other human beings who are making decisions. The, 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 the sky is the limit with this. Uh, and the technology works. Yes, I've got a pre-alpha. I've had some little bugs and glitches here and there. But, um, you know, the syncing, the way it reads the dice. I mean, this is a, just a nice little design feature. I'm really impressed with, hey, um, the dice have batteries. You can just sit them when they're not using here, and they'll charge in the background when you're not rolling dice off of the main board. Oh, wow. Really smartly designed, great physical components, great miniatures. I mean, this is a great-looking game. And, again, what this means for the future of the industry... Uh I, I, I am beside myself with excitement. So when uh, the Bad Karma's folks uh, said they wanted, reached out and said, hey, you want to check it out? I said, yes, please, because you know, I, I can barely contain my enthusiasm for Bad Karma's uh, The Curse of the Zodiac. And that's what's on the yeah. table. Spent a little bit more time, wow. but there's a lot to talk about here. Yikes. I, I was going to say, my my mind is blown here. That looks absolutely incredible. And, you know, that was the first thing I was thinking of. Actually, two things I was thinking yeah. of right off the bat. It, it really, it seems like it will decrease the amount of fiddliness that people, you know, would have in yes. these type of games, right? All yes. this keeping a track of things and all that. And that's... Like you, I think I thought you said it perfectly. It lets you play the game rather than having to worry about all these different, you know, things you got to track. Yep. And the other thing I loved, just 
again, you pointed out right off the bat, it's almost like a real-time player aid. Like, anytime you have a question, you know, you can teach the game, but like you said, everyone's always going to, I always have questions when I'm playing. Mm -hmm. Why not just have it right there? It's like, oh, I just tap here. Oh, I know exactly what I need to do. Now I can focus, rather than having to ask you questions about how to play the game, I can focus on making decisions uh, that it's going to affect the game. I, it's, like yeah. you said, I think the possibilities are limitless at this point. I mean, the, the yeah. sky is, you know, the limit. I as am, they say. I'm excited yeah. about the game itself being an active participant, yes. uh, as yes. opposed to just a passive thing that sits there and waits for us to do stuff. It will do things back. And uh, yeah, I, I, I can't wait for a, a worker placement game with this system. Yeah, right? I can't wait exactly. for a solo mode of this where, you know, I have my fellows fighting alongside me, making decisions like, why are you doing? that and like like as if i were playing against with a real human being on my team right. got my reasons yeah. i mean it's 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 astounding to me just how exciting this is and i know that they've already gotten some big heavy hitters in the board game industry backed up to start doing um nice. new versions of games b using this technology so it's not just That's a one awesome. and done i mean this is this is a, a great first step and uh there are sponsors of the show folks uh but yeah. <laughs> we now need to move on to what we came here to do which is talk about 100 games 100 games yeah. that we love all of the day we're That's... only going to talk about our first 10 numbers 100 to 91 and next week you right. can come back and we will continue the countdown and um i think you are picking it off first right yeah, and before I kick it off, yeah, uh, just to remind everyone, we're not doing all 100 games right here. We're just starting 100 to 91. Uh, we are going to talk uh, 10 games at a time, and we're going to do this uh, for the next few months. Uh, anytime that um, we're going to focus on 10 games here, and then in other weeks we may do Kickstarters. We may talk about uh, other hot games, but this list will continue until we get to the number one. And just to kick it off, um, actually, you know what? Hold on a, a second. Hold on a second before we yeah. kick it off. I forgot one very... I got so wrapped up in bad karmas. I forgot. We're giving away a game this week, aren't we? Yes. Yes, we uh, are. Were you about say, to do that? What are we giving away? Okay. Well, I'm glad you asked, Ruel, uh, because one lucky viewer of the show um, has a chance to win a copy of Mind Management, which is awesome. I don't know if you played Mind Management well. I have. I covered it when it was on Kickstarter uh, a couple of years ago, and it's on Kickstarter again now. It just launched this mm. week, and I am not alone. When I covered this a while ago, I played my original prototype, I said, as far as I was concerned, this was the best hidden movement game I've ever seen. And that was a couple of years ago. Now that it's gone wide and a lot of you know review channels have gotten their hands on it, it's not just me. Everybody's saying yeah. that. Uh, you know, forget about your Furies of Dracula. Forget about your uh, Letters from Whitechapel. This game pushes the uh, hidden movement genre so far. It does so many cool new things. I think what makes it special more than anything else is its speed. A lot of these kinds of games can go on for hours. And, you know, if you're like the hunter, you're like, oh, please, just kill me now. I can't find you. Or you got away, and now we have to start all over again. In this game, every single round, the uh, the, the fugitive, um, the uh, recruiter is what they're called in this game, gets closer and closer to being caught. They can feel the dragnet tightening around. And I've played this as a two-player game. It works great. And we were talking about apps. You could play this as a solo or a co-op game as well because they have wow. developed a fully functional app that means it does not have to be every one player versus a team. It could be players working together against the app. So this is another great example of, of the future of board gaming. You don't have to. Uh, it plays great. It's just a traditional thing. It's got tons of secret missions. I mean, look at this. Uh, in the, you know, A lot of people did their top games of 2021. Yep. Quackalope, Board Game Co., um, uh, you know, Man vs. Meeple, 
and um, Dice Tower. This made a lot of people's top ten. And let's see, I, I think somewhere down here there were quotes proving that I wasn't crazy two years ago when I said this is the best one ever. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's Jesse says it's the best game of the year. There was, it's, I'm sorry, it's my favorite hidden movement game of all time. Uh, Shut up and sit down says it's a masterpiece. Uh, Dice Tower says they would play over anyone. Actually, yeah, Tom also says it's their preferred hidden movement game. Absolutely amazing. Wow. This game is incredible. If you want to know why, you can go back and watch my original run-through. Bear in mind, it was done with a prototype. The final game looks so much better. And the thing is, to, uh, to celebrate the fact that it's just relaunched on Kickstarter with some additional content, I believe, we will be giving away one copy to one lucky winner. And, um, well, how, how, how do they win? How do they win? Folks, sometime during the show, we are, and one of us is going to say the word winter. Winter. Right. So winter is coming. Uh, you don't know when it's going to be coming, <laughs> but when it is, take note of the game that we're talking about at that time, and you're going to send the title of that game to a contest at rotto.com. Send an email, and uh, you'll be entered into a contest next week uh, for a copy of Mind Management. I just got to say, I need to play this game. I know it's been highly ranked, and I just have not been able to uh, you know, play it. But I am a huge fan of the design duo, Senfun Lim and Jay Cormier. Mm -hmm. They've done a bunch of great games. Yes. Um, and spoiler alert, one or more of their games may be on the list that is coming up. Uh, oh, really? That we're talking about. So, All right. Yeah, well, but I'll we'll just leave it there. Out. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. Gr a great design duo doing fantastic yes. work. And mind management yeah. is, you know, like as many, not just me. Um, yeah. A lot of people agree uh, It is a masterpiece It is absolutely phenomenal So definitely keep your ears peeled When either Ruel or I says Winter Note what game that was And send uh, the name of the game Not the word winter But the name of the game as the subject To contest at rado.com And maybe it'll be you And if it is you, yes. believe me, you'll be happy The game is phenomenal but with yeah, that out of the way everybody. we can finally start talking about <laughs> our top 100 i believe yeah all right all right uh just a clarification now uh is the contest is this worldwide uh, yes it is sure yep no it's it's open okay, to anybody so. um okay. i don't know if they'll ship it to the antarctic but uh pretty much all the normal <laughs> territories uh have a pretty good shot all right so we're doing okay. our top 100 is it rudo is that it i'm i'm we're, if we're calling you want, it now uh, i I, I I like Rudo. I, I just think it I, I think it flows uh, better off the tongue rather than Rael. Rael. You know? Well, I mean, then it kind of feels like we're from Krypton if it's Rael. But oh shoot! Oh man, well, you may have okay. just talked me into it. Ra. Yeah. Well, my name, my name, my real uh, Ruel. That that's like a Kryptonian name, anyways. It is. Yeah, you already Rudo. you already enjoy yeah. that, so you could share I'll the love there. But regardless, yeah. over the next few months, uh, most weeks, we'll Perfect. be counting this down. We're starting today with number one hundred, which will be Ruel's, and then uh, my number nine. And we share this list. This is a reflection of the two of us as gamers. And uh, I, I think I already said I'm super excited to see what you come up with because Same. I have no idea. I just have a list of Bitly links that I can copy and because we had a third party adjudicate and make sure we didn't have overlaps and stuff like that. Right. Phew. So are you ready, Ruel? I, I'm ready, my friend. Yeah, let, let's do this. Then what is our number 100? Greatest our game of all 100. time. Greatest game of all time, The Crew. Mmm, yes. Yes, very good. The Crew. So the actual title is The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine. Um, folks, this is a... Probably one of my, I mean, if not my favorite trick-taking game, it's its right up there, uh, personally. Um, it's 
it's interesting because trick taking, you know, you normally think I think of just, you know, old school trick takers, hearts, spades, et cetera, et cetera. But they actually did a really interesting thing here. They made this a cooperative game mm-hmm. and you have missions. So each game is going to play differently. I mean, you have the basic trick taking uh, mechanism, but you're working with your fellow players. Um, I remember Michelle, Lauren and I played this and it was just instant love. We're like, oh my gosh, because we play trick taking games, but it's never always been our, never been our favorite mechanism, but Somehow, some way, combining it into a cooperative game where each um, win condition is different yep. really put it over the top for us. Now, we haven't completed all 50 missions. There are 50 missions here. There's also some print-to-play missions, and there's actually a new version of this game uh, where you go undersea. Um, but this one, again, the space theme talks to me. Again, the space, it's, it's you know, the theme is pacing up. But I, I dug it because there's times when, you know, just like when you're in your space, you cannot talk. Communication mm-hmm. is limited. You know, stuff like that. I mean, it is such a great game. And again, it's what I love about it. It's you can play it with almost, nearly every anyone in your game group or non-gamers. It's really simple to pick up as long as you explain the trick-taking mechanism. And then, you know, I've seen people really get into this game and just play it over and over and over. And it's because it's quick, uh, you know, uh, a game around doesn't last that long. And that's why it's our number 100 game of all time, The Crew. I am very happy with that as Rudo's number 100. And I am so... This is why I wanted to do this list with you. Uh, we are so simpatico. This is like, I think, my number 118. And I was so sad oh, okay. it wasn't going to make the list. And I was like, oh, I hope Ruel does it. And you made me so happy right out of the gate putting it on there. Because, yeah, it is absolutely fantastic. And... Not only does it pull off the amazing feat of turning trick-taking into a solid cooperative experience, but it is also a very solid two-player experience as well. Which That's what is... I've heard. I wanted to ask you, uh, when you and Jen played, because we haven't played it, we were lucky to play it with three, but how is the two-player version? The two-player uh, version is fantastic. Like set up? Uh, yeah. it, 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 it's it's uh, basically there is a group of cards that is put on the table that represents a third player and um, you take turns making choices for this third player it's the rookie on the team and it works so well it's a different kind of puzzle because you have a lot more information than you normally do uh, but there are other things that kind of tweak and balance it so it's still an interesting challenging game and Jen and I loved it to pieces now it probably would have nice. made my top 100 if I actually had a chance to play it more at a higher player count but as a two player game uh, the crew is fantastic and definitely definitely deserves uh that spot at number right. 100 but 100. um i think my the number 99 also deserves uh all the uh praise in the world uh we're go- we're switching from brand new hotness the crew to the the rudo number 99 is raw oh yes not the yes. raw just raw um, and oh my goodness, do I love this game so much. Now, I'll just come out and say it. This is my favorite, uh, Reiner Knizia design game. And, um, I, 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 I love it to pieces. He has done so much amazing stuff over the years. But for me, Raw eclipses everything. And the most amazing thing about it is, when this came out in 1999, it officially was a three-player minimum game. The, the, the landscape for board games was so different 
back then that they didn't think it was important to try to work out two-player rules. And then it turns out, somewhere along the line, somebody did, and then the powers that be realized, oh, this works really great as a two-player game, too. Maybe we should have put that on the box. And um, I'm rating this as a two-player auction. It is fantastic. And, you know, at its heart, this is a set collection game. We're trying to get all these different tiles that represent different facets of life and society in ancient Egypt. But we make bids for these tiles. We each have a set number of tokens that... Um, say, oh, I can bid three or five or seven or eight. I can't bid whatever I want. I just have to bid. If, if I've got a five, that's what I've got to bid. And everybody can see what everybody else can do. And that extra... And But once I've used that token to bid, it goes away and it gets replaced with a different one. Because there's always one that whoever wins the current bid is going to... You know, you're, you're going to change up what you can bid with. It's so brilliant. That's only half the game. Just that. Just the way they completely changed the game for um, auctions and make one of the greatest auction board games of all time by totally changing the rules. And it works great with two. Uh, not only that, there's this whole other half of the game because there's a push-your-luck thing. Because uh, the stuff we're bidding for just doesn't just spring out of nowhere. Um, somebody is the uh, lead in a given round and they have to reveal more and more and more tiles. Um, and there's, a, there's kind of a, uh, a push-your-luck uh, thing going on where um, when am I going to stop revealing more stuff and uh, you know and that becomes a really big central element too because I'll keep revealing until the thing I want is there but I keep revealing more stuff than I think you want and that means you're going to outbid me because I can see you can outbid me but do you really value this the same way I do there is so much going on in this game it's so simple um, and yet so rich and so deep and infinitely replayable. I mean, it's had several reprints. I think it's getting another really big, super deluxe, lavish reprint this year, um, which I can't wait for, but I'm still happy to hold on to my original uh, you know, 1999 version as well if I need to, because, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to disagree that Raw is one of the greatest auctions of all time, and I'm pretty sure uh, you would agree it's a good 99 for Rudo. Yeah, it's a perfect 99 for Rudo. I absolutely love this game. I'm a huge Reiner Knizia fan, and you touched upon it. It's um, like a lot of his games. There's aren't there really isn't that there aren't that many rules. Like the rules overhead's pretty low, but the strategy and depth to it is fantastic. I mean, it's totally replayable. And fun fact, I, I actually just did the short uh, little podcast segment for the Board Game Barrage. They asked me what my most anticipated uh, game of 2022 is. Ah, Raw is it. Raw is it? It's finally coming back in a print. Twenty fifth uh, Century Games is coming out with it later this year, and it features art by Ian O'Toole. So I I'm super excited about that. I love Raw. It's a great great call for ni or number ninety nine. Cool cool um, cool. I, I can't I can't rave enough about it. Uh, the only thing I have not played it at two, and now once we get the new copy, and Michelle and I are gonna be playing a lot of it. I think. <laughs> All right. Well. So, so far we're completely simpatico. I'm very happy about that. Yeah. But now let's yes. talk about the. Uh... The, the Rudo Number 98. What is it? 98. And this is where I think we our paths may diverge. Okay. Number 98 is Root. R-O-O-T. Root. Root. Yes. And I feel like it's it's actually perfect timing that you're wearing the, sh wearing the shirt that you're wearing, uh, Lord of the Board. Mm -hmm. His YouTube channel was primarily a Root channel for, for a while. He does other stuff now, but he's done like these hardcore strategy guides yeah. on Root. And yeah, it's... If you haven't heard of it, folks, I mean, it is a well, well um, um, respected game. It's got a lot of things going on. It's basically an asymmetric war game, mm -hmm. but with these cute little critters. I mean, they're they're so cute. Look at that. You can see it right there. <laughs> Mice and cats and owls and birds. 
But what it is, I mean, it is a war game. You are out there going at each other. As you can see on the video right here, we're looking at the Irie. They're the birds. I like these. They are basically a programming game. You're programming, you know, think of like Robo Rally, and you're programming the birds. Uh, all the other uh, uh, factions play differently. You got some deck building, you got some engine building, and they all, it really, it truly is an asymmetric game. Um, a, no, a war game for non war gamers, basically. And yeah. It's a race to 30 points, but there's a way that you can win by dominating um, the board. So rather than 30 points, you just have to hit certain uh, goals there. I, the, For me, the reason why I didn't rank it personally higher on my list is because I have not gotten to play it enough where I've gotten to know all the factions. And I just I recently picked up the um, expansion where you can play it solo. And uh, they have new factions as well, the Lizard Folk and other things. But... It's just, oh, as far as game design, I, it just blew me away that I could, I'm playing this game that's so different than everyone else, yet we're all still say, using the same deck yeah. of cards. It's multi-use cards, and you're crafting items, and but you do it in different ways by using this. Uh, it just it, To me, it just blows me away. And that's why it's our number 98 on Rudo, Root. <laughs> I don't know. Is this Rudo thing going to stick? I, the more I say it, the more silly I, I feel about it. Folks, definitely, gonna we're going to do nine more chapters of this. So let us know down in the comments. Should we stay the Rudo route? <laughs> Are we yeah. are we true um, roto rooters? Um, as as just happened here, uh, you know I can't fault you for this at all. You're right. Uh, it wouldn't make my personal uh, you know top 100 because it's it can be a vicious game. It is a it is a warfare oh, game. You know that is is yeah. cleverly disguised with the cutest, most adorable art you have ever seen. But uh, there's no denying it, you know, it deserves its its standing in the pantheon. I completely agree. It does asymmetry so well. It does asymmetry so well that asymmetry is now a big deal in the board game industry. Whereas for years, I mean, you've, you've seen like war games have done it, but it's never really caught on. Root and vast before it, but really Root um, has it is a vanguard game. It has changed the direction of the industry because now everybody's chasing after can we do true asymmetry the way Root has and there's other games that have come out to do it since and more on the way. So I completely agree with your call and uh, yeah, I think so far we're nailing it uh, with our number 98 nice. Root. Awesome. All right, but we now have to move on to number 97, and uh, I suspect this one might be a bit controversial. Uh, again, we'll, we'll have to see Ooh. what the comments are uh, when we reveal number 97 is Tiny Epic Defenders 2nd Edition. And, uh, yep, this is, this is definitely a reflection of me. I love this game so much. It is one of the best cooperative experiences there is on the market, bar none. And it owes a lot to uh, Pandemic. Or, or, actually, I've never thought about this before. This game is the perfect distillation of two other games I love. Pandemic and Aeon's End. Those two games working together. Uh, because this is a cooperative style game where you're basically fighting fires. You're having to run around a tiny epic kingdom trying to defend it uh, uh, against tiny epic dangers. And the whole thing is driven by a single deck of cards that randomizes the uh, player and enemy turn order every round. So you never know who's going to go next. But you, this game is all about long-term planning because it's a deck builder where the deck you're building is going to try to kill you. Because the longer we play, the more evil monster cards go into this deck that says, okay, is it... Oh, it's my turn! Oh, yeah, okay, good, good. Okay, 
Terrell's turn. Oh, okay. oh no, it's the, it's the Kraken's turn. Oh, we needed two more turns before the Kraken came up. The Kraken came up too soon. Why didn't you get in position? We knew the Kraken was coming. Because as we play and more and more stuff gets thrown into this central deck and it gets more and more dangerous, we know what's coming. We just don't know when it's coming. Because when the Kraken comes, it's going to attack the harbor. It's not going to attack the, the uh, desert. So a big part of the strategy of this game is, right, do we have somebody hanging around nearby the harbor so that they can get in position if we need it to be. Is somebody going to end their turn? Because there's only three cards left. There's a 33% chance that Kraken is coming. And if the Kraken gets the harbor, it falls, and then the whole kingdom will, um, you know, you know, uh, uh, dominoes. So, you know, we'll, we'll just start falling. So, how are we going to do that? The problem is, nobody wants to be over there because everybody needs to be over at the planes because there's really great special powers there. But somebody has to do this. And this game has such a, in such a simple, tight, tiny package, pushes you so hard to do much more long-term strategizing and short-term tactical responses because, because of that one central deck uh, that just mixes it up and it gives you imperfect ability. Now, one other thing I should say is, it's Tiny Epic Defenders, the second edition that makes it on the list. The original Tiny Epic Defenders is great, but the second edition got such a wonderful, overhaul with amazing art and really cool little um, uh, you know uh, pieces that uh, really kind of up the fun factor of the game quite a bit but I have always been the hugest fan um, of our number 97 tiny epic defenders <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah, I um, this is I, I love tiny epic uh, games. I'm a huge fan of Scott Alms, and this is the one I haven't played. Only oh, really? Because that first edition, yeah, only because that first edition, it got so it got some lukewarm reviews from my uh, friends. Then I was like, okay, I'll 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 pass on this one. But then, like you said, the second edition, people really really enjoyed that one, and even some of my friends that got the second edition, they said, yeah, this is this is the one to play. So one of these days, I'm going to play it because I am a huge tiny epic fan. So. Great to see that on the list. Always happy to see Scott Alms here. So, yeah. nice choice. Cool. Yes. All right. Awesome. Number 96. I, 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 honestly, eight. I hope someday to get yeah. a chance to play it with you. Um, I wish I could play it with everybody who is kind of lukewarm Perhaps on it. Perhaps at Dice Tower West? Perhaps? That might be a date, my friend. That might be a date. Yeah. All right. But what's number All 96? Right. 96. Uh, it's a newer game. It is The Lost Ruins of Arnak. Okay. So, this one... It's got two of my favorite things, deck building and worker placement. And, um, you know, I didn't get to play this um, when it first came out. It's I don't know if it was just a sold out or no one that I knew had it. And, of course, we're in the middle of a pandemic, of course. Oh, yeah, but, that doesn't help. Yeah. Um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't get to play it until the uh, winter um, just th this last year. So this is somewhat new to me. And the thing is, I've only played it solo, Rado. I've only played the solo game. And it still made the list. I love it. Wow. I love it. You do one thing on your turn, and it's so uh, it's so tough to. You're managing resources. You're you know sending workers out to do stuff, and it's all through this neat little deck building system. But I know that when I eventually play this at two, three, or four players, I'm gonna love it. Oh, you and I know it's gonna go high on my, on my uh, even higher when I add the expansion, mm. the you know, leaders. You know, we're talking about asymmetric abilities and, uh, you know, different things. That's that's what adds it. I mean, you can see here on the the board here, you've got different places to explore. As you explore places, that's going to open up more worker spots for you, different things. You've got that, um, uh, the track, um, the side track there, the uh, research track mm -hmm. where you can get more stuff. I, I just, I love everything about this. I'm, I'm sort of a sucker for, too, for that whole, like, uh, adventure theme, the Indiana Jones thing. I know a bunch of games have done it. I'm still sort of, I still enjoy it. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that exploration 
animation and just the reveal of all the different worker spots. I think it's a really cleverly done game. And that's why it's our number 96 on Rahel or Rudo's <laughs> list of top 100 games. <laughs> uh, a good choice, a good choice. And especially, um, what's it? The, that, that Leaders expansion put it into my personal top 100. Um, nice. Yeah. Nice. Because good to hear. Uh, you know, the worker placement is great. The dice, uh, the, the the deck building is great. And now when you get those unique asymmetric power leaders, we were just talking about that with yep. Root a little bit. Doesn't quite push it as far as yep. Root, but I mean those leaders are so eye opening, and the new cards are so great as well. Very very good choice. I like it nice. a lot, but not right. as much as our number ninety five. Anno. Oh yeah. What's our number ninety five? Anno eighteen hundred. Oh my goodness. Uh, <sighs> Martin Wallace, another. Modern master of design, uh, you know, cannot be touched. And this is one of my absolute favorites of his. Let me go and see if I can get it on screen here. All right, I need raw. All right, here we go. I was a little out of sync there. There it is. Let me put it on screen so people can see it. Um, this actually, this is a relatively new one as well. I think this is his most recently published game, if I recall yes. correctly. And this is a uh, an, an era of exploration and colonization game based on a, apparently a very popular series of video games, which I've never played the video games at all. But apparently this does a good job of recapturing the spirit of those. But what I love about this, there's a few things I love about this game. I love the gameplay. It's got to be one of the most satisfying worker placement engine building games there is. It's all about creating really in-depth goods conversion engines. Uh, you know, I mean, and uh, the main thing that really makes it special for me is the interplay between players. Because this is not an aggressive game. This is not a game where you're trying to steal stuff from each other. But everybody, even though we're all competing, we are working together. Because if I don't have what I need to generate what my nation needs... I can get it from you, Ruel, and you will get a big payday out of it as well. Um, and uh, and if I if I can't get there, well, then I'll go in a different direction. I'll build something that eventually you will want from me. The um, interconnectedness between players to me is so satisfying and and so uplifting because this game champions what I think of as a lot of the best of humanity because um, because players are all working towards a common good. And the way we score points in this Ruel is not by capturing land. It is not by accumulating wealth. It is not by holding on to power. It is by meeting the needs of our citizens. That's how you score victory points. You have a big old deck of cards. Everybody has a big old hand of cards that represents what their different members of society need. And everything you're doing in this game is to try to meet their needs. And the more you do, the more points effectively you will score. And now... I said this game is everything that's great about humanity. Of course, it is an era of colonization game too, and that means it has to touch on some of the worst of what man has done to man over the centuries. But the interesting thing about the original video game in this is, this is not our real history. There are no named countries here. This is an alternate universe where the era of colonization never happened. And instead, it was truly an era of cooperation and exploration. Because you don't create colonies in this game. You do you explore, you do find new worlds, and what happens is you then just get a whole bunch more cards in your hand that represent more people who it is your job to make them happy and meet their needs. You don't steal anything from them. Uh, you instead work with them. And, uh, you know, again, it, it, it makes this basically a fantasy version of our real history, but it yeah. does speak to our better nature. Uh, a world where everybody succeeds when everybody's boats rise. And it doesn't have to be zero-sum. Oh, I can only be succeeding if I take things from you. This game imagines a world, and it's a world that is within our grasp as 
a species. It imagines a world where me helping you helps me just as much. And this game demonstrates how that can function. And to me, it elevates it beyond just, oh, a really cool economic Euro simulation into a work of art. And I am super duper impressed by it. And then on all that aside, it's got a really fantastic gameplay, which is what puts it at number 95, Anno 1800. Yeah, I, this has been on radar for a while. I, I have a feeling that the name Martin Wallace will not be, this will not be the last time we, <laughs> we have that name on, uh, on this I, I didn't say it was my um, favorite, did I? So yeah, um, you know, we the, may hear more yeah, from we, you. You bet, we, we shall. I literally was going to play this game this last weekend, and I, unfortunately ah! I, I couldn't make it uh, to the game, but I'm going to play it soon, especially after hearing uh, your description of it. it. It's it's high on my radar. It's on the top of my must-play list. Great choice. Big Martin Wallace fan here as well. Okay, let's move on to our number 94. Yes. Um, a, a slight change from what we just talked about with Martin Wallace. We're going to number 94 from Rudiger Gordorn, Karuba. And Karuba, mm. we recent we actually recently talked about it. Uh, it's a wonderful bingo style game, right? So what's a bingo style game? I'm going to be one player is going to call out numbers in this case uh, the tile numbers, and everyone else is going to lay them out wherever they want on their board. And we're trying to again, hey, a, another Indiana Jones style theme game. Uh, apparently, I like them. Uh, you're trying to get your explorer <laughs> to your <laughs> to the corresponding temple, and you're trying to do that while picking up gems uh, for points. And if you're the first one in the temple, you're going to get a, a bonus um, uh, for being the first one there. So it's a race game at its heart. Yeah. I just I, I dig everything about this game. I think it's it's such a clever design, and you can literally play it with any number of players. As long as everyone has a board, you can just call the numbers out, and people, you know, they're going to place their um, uh, tiles the way they want to. And what really sets it apart for me is the fact that the movement is so tricky here because. In order to move, you have to discard a tile. So if there's a tile mm -hmm. that has two exits, you can move two spaces. So it's like that whole like push and pull. Ooh, do I want to save this piece that I need to um, get my path the right way? Or do I want to use it now to move my explorer? So that's a really neat uh, uh, little tension there throughout the game. Again, it's a wonderful family game. I think it's it works well for gamers, uh, with yeah. seasoned gamers as well. I always have fun with it. That's why it's our number 94 on the Rudel slash Rahel <laughs> list of games. Number 94, Karuba. <laughs> you know, we could just call it the R&R the, the, the &R list of games. The R&R &R top 100. Maybe, <laughs> that's the, maybe we should just stick to that. I don't know. Um, funny how you keep working Rahel in there somehow. You're, you're putting Rahel. the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable, sir. But um, Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, Karuba, I'm just going to say it. That it might be, it's one of, if not the best, uh, gateway games out there. Uh, it, it is perfect. Everybody talks about Ticket that. to Ride all day long, but I yeah. would rather play Karuba any day of the week. I'd rather teach Karuba any day of the week. And even though it's so simple and so elegant and so pure, it is still rich and deep and exciting enough that I'm excited every time I get a chance to play it. So smart. The bingo is strong with that one. Uh, there's been a yes. bunch of bingo style games, and I think this probably is the number one in that whole category. And it's a good, good call. Karuba, number 93 on the R&R &R Top 100 of all time. R&R &R Top 100. I like it. Okay, well then let's move on to... Uh, we're, we are just bouncing back and forth from light stuff to heavy stuff. We're going back into the heavy end, to the deep end of the pool nice. with our number 93, Lagranha. And now, ah. I'm, I'm really torn. Should I say Lagranha or should I say Lagranha, the, uh, the deluxe master set because yeah. oh my goodness i mean lagranha has always been one of my top 50 games of all time uh you know I, I, ever since i ever since i first played it like seven or eight years ago i so fell in love with it and um it's heart 
What I said about it originally, whatever it was, seven, eight years ago, is it felt like an Uwe Rosenberg crossed with a Steffen Feld. And those are two of my favorite designers of all time. And while this is Ode and Mike Keller, oh man, they everything about this game just works so well. Uh, at its heart, actually, you could say it's a Carl Chuddick of Steffen Feld, Uwe Rosenberg design, because <laughs> it's got all the wonderful farming of Uwe Rosenberg. It's got all the intricate clockwork simplicity and elegance of a Feld uh, point salad game. And then it's got the beautiful multi-use cards of yes. Glory to Rome. Oh my goodness. This is, uh, it's kind of hard to be top Glory to Rome, but if, if it's not the best, it's the second best game that's ever done multi-use cards because everybody has a hand of cards. These cards can be upgrades to your farming operation. They can be extensions to your fields so you can you know, grow more crops. They can be um, orders that you use to fulfill to you know, gain dominance in the marketplace, or they can be special powers or special helpers that will give you powers for the rest of the game. And every one of those cards you want to use in all four ways, and you just can't. And the game constantly puts you through agonizing, but beautifully um, tantalizing, tough choices and compromises. Okay, if I guess I'm going to focus on this, I'll, okay, I'll, 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 I'll turn this one into an upgrade, even though it's the greatest player power ever, but it doesn't combo with the other thing. And, um, and that's just the first part of every round, because then it also features a really brilliant dice drafting round as well, where every round, and, and I love the dice drafting. I love dice drafting. It's my favorite mechanism of all time. I've seen a lot of games do it. This is one of the coolest ones, because I take a die, then you take a die, then Jen takes a die, and then I take a die, and you take a die, and then Jen takes a die. And the last die, there's always one more than the number of players. Everybody gets that final die. So this extra level, and actually it's only one way around, not two. Um, no, it's two. Yeah, it is two ways around. Um, that extra level of knowing everybody's going to get that last one. And everything, oh, I need this one. But if I leave that other one, then somebody else is going to benefit from that a lot more than me. That number six versus that number four. And um, so the dice drafting is fantastic as well. And then there's a third half of the game, which is kind of like this area dominance thing where you're um, getting your orders to the market and you're trying to you know leverage points out that. Or if you don't want to fight in the area control game, which can get a little cutthroat, you can instead deliver to specialist buildings and get special powers that will last you for the rest of the game. Everything about this is amazing. And the new Deluxe Master Set, which is still on Kickstarter now for a few more days. And if you're at all interested in it, folks, and you haven't looked, look now, because it's a Kickstarter exclusive. I only just realized this. I wish I'd mentioned it in my run-through, so I at least have a chance to mention it now. This is not something that's going to retail. Um, now, don't get me wrong. The original Granha is brilliant as well. But this new Deluxe Master Set offers like a dozen additional modules that um, really buff up Whoa. different elements of the game and just make it so much more deeper and so much more replayability. I mean, they got Stefan Feld to work on one of these modules. Stefan Feld has now actually touched one of my favorite games of all time. So there's no way it couldn't make my top 100 of all time. It comes in at our uh, number 93, Legrand Ha. Or Legrand Ha, the Deluxe Master Set. I'll just, I'll just leave. You know what? It, this would stand with just Legrand Ha too. The Deluxe Master Set, yeah. I think in time, might actually bump it up a few more notches, quite frankly. Right. So we'll just say number yeah. 93 is Legrand Ha. Oh my goodness. Great call. Great call. Did you know there was a roll and write version of this game? Lagranha, no, no siesta. siesta. Yes, I do. Yeah. How do you like it? Little game. Uh, again, it's got the dice drafting that you like. Uh, just want to mention that. Yeah, a brilliant game. A little shout out to the the roll and write version of it as well. Cool, Great cool, choice. Cool. I can't wait to. Um, I, a buddy of mine just ordered the uh, master set, so I can't wait to. Oh, you've got it, a so good time coming in your future. I guarantee yeah, it. It's nice. so good. Nice. All right. So All what's ninety right. two? 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 92 is uh, another newish uh, game. I, I, you know, I love worker placement and um, I love Shem Phillips and that's why number 92 up, 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 up. is architects of, architects, architects of the West Kingdom. Uh, I wasn't sure, honestly, which one I was going to go with. Uh, okay. This is one of the trilogy of West Kingdom games. I've enjoyed them all. And Paladins and uh, Viscounts, they're excellent games. But for whatever reason, Architects seems to get to the table more within my group. And, um, you know, you're building different um, structures here in the West Kingdom through the use of worker placement. You can get resources. And, you know, when there's more uh, workers at a particular spot, you're going to get more resources. So uh, yeah. that's a really cool feature. You have your player boards. I, I, I don't know why. This always cracks me up. I love this part of the game where you can send your opponents to uh, prison or jail. You can jail them, round up their workers, send them over there. It's a little take that-ish, so that might not be your jam but we whenever we play we have a, a good time throwing people in jail it's just a, a get a little kick well it's, now, there's it's, also it's actually a, interesting um you know the interplay yeah. between players there because yeah you're right as one player keeps sending their same worker to the same place or mm-hmm. more of their own workers to the same place so they get more and more powerful doing that action yep. everybody else around the table says oh we need to arrest that mob it's getting out of yeah. control but the player who's yeah. doing it is kind of thinking I wish somebody would come and arrest all these people because it's going to be so expensive for me to pull them all off the board and move them somewhere else. Whereas if somebody just arrests them, then I can go get them out of jail much easier. Yes, yes. And that's what I love about it because, yeah, uh, as you said, you know, they get more powerful, but, yeah, um, you have to eventually get those workers back and you have to pay somehow. And, you know, it's another neat thing about this game, too. You have that, um, I forget what it's called. It's the basically where you get to be the bad guy. You get to go down this uh, this path of moral depression. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, It has a good and a bad morality path as you focus on one thing or the other, yeah. Or one type of action or the other, yeah. Right, right. So there's more than one way to play this game, and um, eventually you're gonna have to build uh, your structures and you know uh, get all get all the points uh, that way. I just I think it's a wonderful game. It's the one that gets to my table the, the most. I could actually I'm sitting here arguing in my head. Oh, I should have gone with Paladins, you know, because that game's uh, more crunchy. But just this game, it flows so smoothly, and uh, honestly, you can't go wrong with any of the West Kingdom games. That's why it's our number 92, Architects of the West Kingdom. I'll I'll buy that for a dollar. A fantastic choice, especially if you're going to play a multiplayer game, I would certainly agree. Architects is the best of of the bunch. If you're going to play single or, you know, a a two-player game, I might make an argument that some of what really makes that game special um, is lost. I mean, you're still doing the arresting and the interaction with players, but it's much more interesting as there are more, oh my gosh, all these mobs of people! I got, yeah. get, get them out of there. Who do I? You know, yeah. it's it's a brilliant design, so fresh and clever. Shem and uh, his co-design partner, um, uh, Sam McDonald. Oh man, uh, you yes. know, and this is the one that kicked off one of the hottest series in the last five years, and with good reason. Oh, and then also on top of everything else, beautiful Miko art, absolutely yeah. wonderful to look people, at. Man. I could just stare at yes. it all day long. Uh, yeah. Number ninety-two, good choice, oh. good choice, good choice. Okay, but we're almost done for today, folks. We are gonna That's end it right. out today with uh, number ninety-one, the wonderful, the sweet, the charming Calico. Oh. Nice. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. 
The cats yes. are strong with this one. And I have to, I say this yeah. as somebody who is not a particular cat lover. I am all about dogs all day long. Same. But Calico is so amazing. So absolutely incredible. It is a tile-laying game. Oops. It is a tile-laying game where we, everybody is trying to make the best quilt they can. Um, and the odd thing is, we are trying to just make cats happy because we're trying to make the best quilt that cats will happily curl up and take a nap on. It's a pretty abstract tile-laying game when it boils right down to it, is what I'm trying to say. But uh, if you're going to be abstract, hey, make an abstract thing that is beautiful and sweet and charming as Calico, yeah. and you'll be doing pretty well. But what really gets me is um, the, the crunchiness. That you have a very, very tiny little board that you are trying to um, build. And every single tile that represents another patch of your quilt is so laden with consequence because you are trying to um, arrange tiles because you're trying to get the same colors next to each other. You're trying to get the same patterns next to each other. But then there are also these objective tiles on your tiny little board that says, okay, around this particular tile, I want to get, you know, five of a kind, or I want to get pairs or whatever it might be. So every single tile, you are trying to find a way to have it score you two or three times. Um, Oh, and then on top of that, you're also trying to get the right tiles to make the cats happy because you're trying to get those set up. So you can't do everything and you really do have to focus. And at its heart, this is a drafting game as well because at any given time, there are three tiles on the board and you can see, oh my gosh, if I get that tile, that's the perfect tile. And the thing is, you know you're not getting that tile because you know, there's <laughs> only three of them out there. And by the time it comes around to you, oh, somebody else will have gotten it. And I, these three, these three, what am I going to do with this? I mean, um, this game makes, I mean, if, if you are, are in a table next, the next table over from a group who is playing Calico, here's what you're going to hear for an hour. Ah! Oh! I don't know what to do! Ah! It, it, you're just nonstop because it just pushes you. You have such a tiny little space to work in. And everything um, you know, can make or break you. And you can never quite get what you want. But if you try some time, you just might find you get what you need. And it's so satisfying when you do. Which is why um, we're going to end today's list at number 91 of the R&R Top 100 with Calico. And special bonus shout out to the Rolling Stones there. Well yes. done. <laughs> and, and on top of the, I mean, just a, a brilliant game. On top of it all, best syllable art. Come on. Yes. It doesn't get much oh, it's better. a wonderful yeah. looking game. Beautiful, I, I, um, yep, yep, beautiful yep. game. Yeah. Awesome choice. I, I love all the games on this list. This is fantastic. Great, great start to uh, our top 100, uh, the R&R top 100. Um, good stuff, my friend. Yeah. Okay. And we got a long ways to go, folks, and a short time to get there. So uh, hang out with us. This is just the beginning. Uh, next week, we will be back, and we'll be doing numbers 90 through 81. And yeah. neither of us will have any idea what the other one has come up with, but I guarantee you, they will be 10 amazing games that the R&R show calls 10 of the best games of all time. Agreed, yep. yes. And folks, did you hear the yes. secret word? Mm-hmm. One of us said winter at some point during the show. Be sure to mark down the, I mean, go back if, and if you need to, go back and watch it and f- listen to one of us say winter, W-I-N-T-E-R, and send the name of the game that we're talking about that time to contest at rotto.com. You'll be entered to win a great, great game. Um, one of the greats. I just totally, one of the greats. Yes. Well, I just totally blanked. What are we giving uh, it's away? Mind management. Mind They're management. messing oh with your gosh. mind. I need to. I need to manage this mind. Apparently. Yes. There you go. But, there you uh, go. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Contest at rada.com, folks, and you'll be entered when uh, next week. All right. 
Well, that is it, folks. We are Dunsville. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you, Ruel. I know this was a lot of work for you. It wasn't too much work for me because at any given time, I've got like a list of top three or four hundred lying around. So I was pretty. But I know yeah. you worked late into the night coming up with I, for the first time ever your top super list. Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, I'd said I said this to you uh, earlier where. I was up late last night, and then I got up early this morning, and I was like, I didn't know how much of a task this would be. You know, I I pretty much have my top 10 of all time locked in my brain. That, that's fine. And I could do, like, a top 20-ish. But then I was like, oh, man, if I'm going to go 50, I've got to go deep. And I end up with 120, <laughs> and I'm still, like, I feel like I can still, like, maneuver stuff around. But you know what? It is what it is. The R&R Top 100, I'm I'm happy with how it's going. I'm going to be even happier when we uh, see the rest of the list. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's very exciting. And you know what? It's all smooth sailing from here because you've got the list. We've got the, our list yeah, for the exactly. next few months. We're good to go. So, folks, right. you will have to come back and uh, find out just as, as, as we will, as we go. And so I'm going to say thanks for doing all that work, Ruel. Thank you for watching. Please let us know. Should we call this the R&R Top 100, the Rudo Top 100, the Rael Top 100, um, or something else entirely? But uh, all that aside, I want to say thanks in closing to sponsor of the show, The Bad Karmas, The Curse of the Zodiac. Talk to you, everybody. So long. Uh, bye bye <laughs>